0: So I want you to take your Bible and turn to the the book of 1 Corinthians and chapter 9. 1 Corinthians and chapter 9. The little outline, it's very simple. It's uh, the opposite of how to be a success. I do guarantee you that it's easier to be a failure. It's a lot easier to be a failure than a success. And and so we know that one day we're going to stand before the Lord, and he's going to have us give account of ourselves for what we've done with our lives. So we know that every individual is going to have to stand before the Lord. I'm glad I don't have to stand there to be judged for whether I'm going to get to go to heaven or not. That's been said a long time ago. So I have eternal life. I'm going to heaven. But I do know that I'm going to have to give an account to the Lord for what I say and do. And so um, that day when you stand before the Lord, you might have to give an account to the Lord for why you failed Him. Won't that be a shame? To stand before the Lord ashamed because He he keeps accurate records. And He says even every word, idle word, thoughts, you know. It's kind of... Scary in itself, but I'm glad that no sin has to be paid. But you will see what it has cost you and what it costs me. When we see how our disobedience here caused people not to hear the gospel, how we fail to work together as we should, all these things. But first Corinthians in chapter nine, I want you to notice that there's nothing in these verses that seems like Paul is just sitting on the sideline doing nothing. He's saying that um, everything that I do is for the purpose of winning. You see, when he makes a statement there, look in verse 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all. That is a little phrase you ought to maybe underline in your Bible. I have made myself servant unto all. You see, sometimes we ask God, that God, make me a soul winner. God, make me, God ain't going to make you anything because he doesn't work against your will. You yield yourself and you obey him and do what he says do, and you will be what God wants you to be. But he says, I do these things that I might win, that I might gain. And so as you go down through here, it says over and over again, I do this, and down in verse 23, and this we do, or I do for the gospel's sake. I do it for the gospel's sake. I have a message I'm going to do one of these days on doing things for Christ's sake and the Gospels. But 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, look there in verse 25, and every man, every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered or self-controlled in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. Now you know how hard people work at winning some medal down here, some award, some prize money, whatever they do, and they will get out there and they'll work themselves to death, try to get a little fame, honor, and glory. But we're, we're not supposed to sit on the sideline and just think it's going to happen automatic. You have to get yourself into the battle and you have to do some fighting and some struggling and you could get beat up a little bit. And you get tired, you get weary, and people don't always approve of what you do or the way you do it. So there's a, a price to pay. So uh, pay. in verse 20, he says, I therefore so I run. At least I run. I do run. Then he says, not as uncertainly so fight I. So I do run. I, I do fight. And in verse 7, I discipline my body. I keep my body in subjection so that I can use my body. Lest when I preach to others, I should be a castaway or set aside and not used by the Lord. So this is not talking about. You know God's going to cast you out. And you're going to hell now. No this is talking about being disapproved. Disqualified. So you want to serve the Lord. And so you know you got to fight. You, you got to run. It, it is a battle. It's It gets bloody sometimes. But you're determined. That you're going to serve the Lord. So if. You follow the path of least resistance. Because you don't want to do all of that. You don't want people thinking bad things about you yes so it's it's easier probably not to do what god says do but the rewards of serving the lord is so much better so much greater i want you to take your bible and look in ephesians chapter 5 look in ephesians chapter 5. look there in verse 25 verse 25 of chapter 5. ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 says husbands Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. The Lord said he wants you and I. To be presented to the Father without spot, without wrinkle, without any blemish whatsoever. You see, as we walk with the Lord, we serve the Lord. God wants us to keep our lives clean. That's what 1 John 1.9 is for. And so he says that we ought to use the washing of the water of the word to keep ourselves clean and without spot. Because you and I know one day we will stand before the Lord and have to give an account. But how do you want to stand there? The Bible talks about it in the book of Colossians about presenting us. It's one thing to be there and another thing how you're presented. So I think it is important. Uh, look in Luke chapter 9, the gospel of Luke and chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, and look in verse 23. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verse 23, page 1086. But in verse 23 it says, And he said to them all, If any man come after me, Now this is not for salvation, this is for service. If any man will come after me, let him, and here's two words, Deny himself. What do you think deny himself? What do you think it covers? What does that mean? If Christ walked in here right now and says, I want you to follow me, but to follow me, you'll have to deny yourself. My question would be, what? Deny myself what? Well, whatever it is, It really wouldn't matter what it is. If I follow Him, I'll have to deny whatever it is I wanted to do or where I wanted to go or whatever I wanted to be or whatever I wanted to have. Now, do you and I really want to be a success or a failure? Are you willing to do whatever God wants you to do, though He may not ask? Are you willing to go to Africa to be a missionary? Though he may not ask you to go, but would you go if he asked you? You say, Lord, are you sure? Are you willing to be whatever God wants you to be? Though he may not ask you to do anything particular, but are you willing to do it? Like when preacher says, are you willing to be made willing? Well, yeah. We know we're not talking about how to get to heaven. We're talking about serving the Lord. So he says here in uh, a very interesting verse... Uh, in chapter 14 of Luke, we'll look at in just a second. But first of all, look there in that verse 23, where he says, Let him deny himself, take up his cross. And here's that word, you ought to underline it daily. See, every day you and I live should be a new commitment to the Lord. Now I have committed my life to the Lord long time ago, that I'm gonna serve the Lord, but I I didn't have those days until it showed up now this day is here will I give the Lord this day will I take my responsibilities that God's given to me daily and fulfill God's will for me every day every day you see you don't have to worry about am I going to be in the will of God a year from now well if I'm in the will of God today and then when tomorrow shows up I'll just commit that day and then I'll commit the next day and But walking with the Lord one day at a time, one moment at a time. Just do what you can with what time you do have. See, it's easy to dedicate your life that you don't have yet and hard to dedicate your day that you do have. So this is the day that the Lord hath made. This is the day that we commit to the Lord. This is the day that we serve the Lord. And so he says, deny yourself. Now, I believe there's three main things that we often refer to with the things of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Are you willing to deny yourself the things of this world, the things that you could love in this world, the things you could get in this world, the things you could be in this world, and give all that up for whatever God has for you? Now, God says you're not ready to serve him until you are. You say, well, I want God to reveal His will to me so that I can decide. God says, no, 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 no. You go ahead and decide, and then I'll reveal it to you. Because sometimes we want to look at what He has for me and know, okay, what do you want me to be? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? So if I can see all of that in comparison to what, hey, the devil may offer me something better than that. I mean, hey, I'm in this for the biggest bargain I can get, right? So God says, no, it's not going to work that way. Uh, You go ahead and just commit yourself to the Lord. So I'm going to serve the Lord. And then trust the Lord to fill it in. Whatever he wants. And that way you won't have such high expectations that when things don't work out your way, you won't fall apart. Because see, all you want, whatever he wants. Whatever he wants. See, then it doesn't matter. But if you make bargains with God in the sense that, Lord, I'll do this, this, and this, and this, and I want you to bless me. And then you expect. And then it doesn't happen. See, now God, you failed me. No, he never said those things. That was your side of a bargain or an agreement. But that wasn't what God says. So he makes a statement here in verse 24. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever... Will, will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. But what is a man advantage? If he gains the whole world, lose himself, or be cast away. What we looked at in First Corinthians in chapter 9, and verse 27. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. You're ashamed of him? That's why Paul says, I'm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. If you're not ashamed of it, you don't mind giving it. If you're not ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, then you don't mind serving Him. Unless you're ashamed. This is why sometimes people don't let people know that they trust the Lord on the job. Because they know their testimony is not quite right. Or they're afraid or ashamed. Do you know if God knows when you're ashamed of Him? I think so. I think so. Look there in chapter 14 of the book of Luke. Right here in Luke. And look what he says here. In verse 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. You often hear that little statement made by some people, you know, for salvation, lordship salvation. He's got to be lord of all or not lord at all. I do believe Christ wants to be Lord of all. I really do. And some people will serve the Lord in limited areas, and they'll have a limited ministry. And when you're limited in knowledge, you're limited in what you can accomplish, what you can do. And that's why the longer you live, the more you learn, more experience you have, the more you should be able to accomplish. But look what he says down here in verse 33. Look in verse 33. So likewise, whosoever... He be of you. Now, you know, when it comes to salvation, it says, For whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, we say that's a choice, it's a free choice. You can accept it or reject it for salvation. If you accept it, you have eternal life and you go to heaven. Look what you got just by believing that. But now, when it comes to service, whosoever, God does not make us serve him. It doesn't make a servant. So he says, likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Because if there's anything you're not willing to give up, stop being or pursuing, will stop you in serving the Lord the way you should. But you see, if you, in your mind, though God may never ask you to give up anything, He may not cause you to lose so much But if he did, would you be willing to do it? That's what God knows, see. God wants you to be willing to do whatever he wants. And go anywhere, though he may not lead you outside of the city limits of Tampa, Florida. But if he opened the door and made it possible and you knew that's what God wanted you to do, you'd do it. Right? You'd do it. Now, that's... Submitting yourself to His authority. Because you want the will of God for your life. Though you may not do a lot of things, go a lot of places, but God knows that if if you could, you would. Because see, at times in our life, there's things that we can't do anymore. We can't go. But God knows that if you could, you would. I believe God knows that if you had a million dollars, you'd give it. But He also knows that you're struggling with that ten dollars you got in your pocket. Lord, I'd give it all if I had it. If I had a million dollars, I'd give a million dollars. No, you wouldn't. If you got ten dollars, you won't give it out, and You ain't gonna give a million. Now you may say things. God's looking for sincerity of what a person really believes. So the word of God, I believe, is very good and very clear. The second thing I want you to look at there, alienate yourself from good Christian fellowship. These are things that help you to be a failure, and that is when people do not faithfully attend church, don't faithfully hang around the right kind of people, it is going to make a difference in your life. It really will. Now, we won't take the time to look at the one in Hebrews, but it talks about forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. I have always believed, and I still believe it, That the more you can go to church, the more services you can attend, the stronger you can be in the Lord because you'll learn so much more that'll help you to stay strong in the Lord. I believe people who don't and can, I believe there's knowledge that they will not gain. And because of that, there's part of their testimony that they will lose in the lives of some people. So this is why it's so important. People say, well, you come on Wednesday night because you have to, you're the preacher. No, I went on Wednesday night before I ever became a preacher. Before I ever went to Bible college, I went Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. I always went. I would work on the job, and I'd get off the job, and I'd come to Sunday night and Wednesday night in my clothes. I had old clothes on, and I have you know, I, I looked pathetic. i run an old bread machine for a Benson Bakery. And so, uh, but if that's what I had to do, that's what I did. And, uh. A lot of people come all dressed up. I had to come look like a bum, but that's okay, but I came. I did what I could, however I was dressed. But I was faithful in doing it, because I was always afraid the preacher might preach something that I need. I was afraid they might preach some great thing that I might learn, and I don't want to miss anything. Have you ever wanted to go to everything because you're afraid something's going to happen, you're not going to be there to see it? James is like that. He wants to get in, That's why he wants to get involved in everything. Because you're afraid something's going to happen and you won't be there to see it. I want to learn as much as I can. Whenever I was at Florida Bible College and Dr. Stanford was going to preach, I want to hear everything he had to say. Why? Because I know. I want to be able to do what he does, so I want to know what he knows. So there's a reason why we do it. Turning your the Bible to the book of Ecclesiastes. All the way back to the book of Ecclesiastes. And look in chapter 4. The book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 4. Just show you a little bit about the strength that you and I should have because of the unity that we have with other people that are like us. I want you to see this. See there in verse... There is one alone, and there is not a second. Yea, he hath neither child nor brother. Yet is there no end of all his labor. Neither is his eye satisfied with riches. Neither saith he, For whom do I labor, and bereave my soul of good? This is also vanity. Yea, it is a sore travail to work and to labor, and then have nobody to leave it to. And then... If you did have somebody to leave it to, the question comes, why should I work and labor and leave it to somebody else? So it seemed like regardless of which way you go. It's all vanity and vexation of spirit. What's the purpose? What's the use? It's like there's got to be a greater reason, a motive for living. But to show you the strength that you can have by having somebody else to go through life with. This is why a husband and wife can be such an advantage to each other, a help to each other. You see, in verse 9, two, two, are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Because, you see, if you both work together, you can have more than just one person working individually. People can accomplish more in unity than you can by yourself. But a lot of people have a problem. Sometimes they have trouble trying to find out who's who's in charge. Who's the boss. And so instead of getting something done, they argue and fight all the time. Shouldn't, but a lot of times that's what happens. But look what it says in verse 10. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. That's why it's, it's good for a, a man and woman to, to love each other in such a way that when one falls, the other one's there to help pick him up, to help encourage him. And not just in marriage, it can also be in church. To know that you've got somebody that helps to encourage you. Because sooner or later, just about everybody has a weak moment. You get down, you get discouraged. You're fighting and you're struggling. And uh, you've got cares and problems. And sometimes you just need somebody to talk to. Somebody just to share things with that you know won't squeal on you and tell everything to everybody else. But you need a good friend that you can talk to and confide in at times. Well, he says, you might like number 11. Again, if two lie together, uh, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? Isn't that a good verse? Ain't that a good verse? Especially on a cold night. Boy, on a cold night, that's so nice. Sometimes I tell you, I'll uh, I'll set up sometime and, you know, and my, my feet will get cold. And I don't even know I done got cold. And then I go in there and Betty's all nice and warm in that bed. And I come in, oh, she is so warm and just cuddly. Oh, just a... And then I put my cold feet on her. Ah! But, you know, it's so neat. But there's advantage of two people helping each other. Look what else he says in verse 12. He says, and if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. In other words, if somebody comes after me, boy, it's sure nice to have a friend. I had that happen one time. I had about three or four guys that were going to beat the tar out of me. And they had already done got my arms and held them back. And another guy had already done took his hands named Melvin. I'll never forget Melvin. i tried to forget Melvin. But Melvin hauled off and he hit me across the face as hard as he could. Man liked to knock me silly. Well, it did knock me silly. And then he wound up and he was going to do it again. And my buddy standing there, his name was Butch Langley. And he says, that's enough. Sure. I thought, why didn't you stop him the first time he did it? But at least he stopped them the second time they were fixing to do it. I'm still trying to decide if he was my friend. Or if he put them up to that. I don't know. I don't think so. But look what he says. In verse 12. And if one prevail against them, two shall withstand. Him. And a three fold cord is not quickly broken. You can take one little strand and break it easy. Put three of them together. It won't break. I was watching one time this old cowboy movie. And they are talking about how they can't stand against the the white man because the Indians, you know, are being killed by the white man. And the Indian breaks one arrow as he's talking to his Indian friends, you know. Because as one, we can easily be broken. But then he put about ten of them together, and you can't break ten of them. He said, the unity causes us to be strong. Well, The Lord talks about that. That's why church and knowing people helps you to be stronger than you would be without them. So God wants us to be strong. And he makes a statement here, Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. And sometimes that's one. For out of prison he cometh to reign, whereas also he that is born in his kingdom becometh poor. In other words, if you've got everything given to you, you don't appreciate it because you didn't have to work for it. A man's been in prison, lost everything, and then he rises up because he worked for it. He has something because he earned it. He worked for it. But just to have everything given to you, you don't appreciate it. So there's things that are taught in the Word of God that's to help us to understand so much more than the natural man that's in the world. Now, look in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Look in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Now, you and I know what perfume is. Every once in a while, I'll put some on. And you, you smell better. Don't you smell better? Don't your wives like your husband to smell better? Well, don't the husbands like their wives to smell better? So you put on a little deodorant here and a little bit there. They even got a new deodorant out now for race drivers called Pit Stop. Oh, well. And anyway, we're moving right along here. In verse 1, dead flies in the apothecary. In other words, what he's talking about is dead flies in the ointment. Dead flies in the perfume. See, you and I are supposed to be sweet-smelling to the Lord by our sacrifice of praise and whatever God has for us so that our lives are examples to others and acceptable to God and well-pleasing.